This is SMDC. A little over a century ago, the Army officially recognized for the first time an echelon of soldiers that have existed in the ranks since 1896, the Army Warrant Officer. During World War I, an act by Congress in 1918 established the Army Mine Planter Service as part of the U.S. Army Coast Artillery Corps. But long before any congressional action, the Army recognized a need for technical experts and leaders in support of mine planting operations. Before the war, mine planter ships were often piloted by civilian mariners under the direction of the Army Coast Artillery officers. Friction developed between the Army and their non-military counterparts, as civilian mariners would often leave to seek other employment, ultimately impacting Army operations. Due to the constant flux in personnel, the Army Chief of Coast Artillery requested legislation in 1916 to help militarize the mine planting vessels. Two years later, Congress granted that request. Along with the Mine Planter Service, the act established the U.S. Army Warrant Officer Corps. Initially, 40 warrant officers were sanctioned to serve as masters, mates, chief engineers, and assistant engineers within the Army Mine Planter Service, a number that has grown to some 26,000 across 48 different occupational specialties who proudly fill those ranks. That may sound like a big number, but it's less than 3% of the total Army force. Warrant officers have great responsibility that includes training soldiers, organizing and advising on missions, and serving as the Army's technical experts and trusted advisors. Today, Alan and I are privileged to speak with U.S. Army Space and Missile Defense Command's very own Command Chief Warrant Officer, CW5 Wesley Cleese, to shed some light on the role of warrant officers everywhere, and more specifically, across SMDC's Global Command. Chief Cleese, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to sit down with us. Hey, thanks, Ron. Hey, thanks for uh, giving me this opportunity to really highlight uh, what our great warrant officers do for this command day in and day out. Hey, Chief, I'm going to start with the uh, the most obvious question right off the bat. Uh, no offense meant, but why does the Army need warrant officers when we already have such outstanding commissioned and non-commissioned officers across the force? Ron alluded to it a bit earlier, but in your own words, uh, what role do they fulfill in general? We'll get to that uh, question in a minute, but first I'd like to take the opportunity to talk about people first and what it means to me personally and how it kind of relates to our warrant officers. I've been in the Army a little bit over 27 years. When I hear people first, it, it really brings me back to my first experience in the Army back in 1994 uh, when I was a young E-4, and I was getting a counseling from my first-line supervisor, Staff Sergeant Velez. My experience with that first counseling that I ever had was eye-opening to me because it really laid out how much of a part of a team that I had become. It, it was at that point in time that kind of hit me in the face that this is not a typical nine-to-five job. And my first-line supervisor asked all the pertinent questions that, you know, some might say is a little too intrusive, but really it wasn't. That person knew everything there was to know about my life. You know, hey, how are your finances? How's your family? Where are you living? What are you doing? What do you need help with? The mentoring aspect of how to become a better leader, how to become a better operator, all of those different aspects that person knew about me. And it really gave me a sense of comfort because it gave me the freedom to really concentrate on the things that I needed to do because I know this individual had my back. He was part of my team and he had my back. Um, and it gave me the freedom to maneuver to really grow 
as a uh, young soldier and eventually into an NCO. And that really imparted on my brain of, hey, this is a bigger, bigger thing, like I said before, than a nine to five job. So how does that really relate to warrant officers? Well, in most instances, our warrant officers operate at the tactical and operational level. They serve as a technical and tactical expert leader within these formations. So from a people first perspective, they influence all three cohorts, whether it's you know, a soldier that's becoming a better operator, uh, an NCO who's becoming a better trainer of soldiers, and, and, you know, that's where we get our base from, from a technical side, or this that first lieutenant who's being exposed to a tactical system or a process for the first time, right? Or even a fellow warrant, younger warrant officer that, that experienced warrant officers are sharing lessons learned or whatever the case may be to make them a better warrant officer. So in, real, in reality, often, the warrant officer becomes the trusted agent and mentor, not only in terms of the job, but in life. Same experience that I had as that young soldier. This guy became something important to me in my life, right? And, and I think that's really what makes the Army different. So it's important that our warrant officers understand this so we continue to be a positive influence on people first to ensure we maintain our edge and accomplish the mission. Now, getting back to your original question, why warrant officers? So if you look at the term expertise, if you really look at the professional development models of our, our traditional officers or our NCOs, it, you really got to focus on what the term expertise means. And I, I know there's been numerous studies done in the past. What does it really take to become a novice uh, to a subject matter expert? And, you know, the common number that always comes right, well, you need 10,000 hours of experience, Right. And I would even argue you need 10,000 hours of continuous experience because once you stop doing something, you start losing, you know, proficiency on whatever technical aspect or whatever job that you're doing. So really, the warrant officers fill that niche for the Army in their professional development model that allows them for their entire career to concentrate and be that technical expert, whereas an officer is really an organizational leader, right? They get exposed to tactical elements at that as a young officer, but they're really the organizational leader and their career model has them, you know, either being in a, in a command role or a staff role. Same with our young enlisted soldiers. You know, they're, they have a primary specialty, just like a warrant officer does, but often their career path, once they become NCOs, they'll start filling specific leadership roles or they'll uh, fill specific staff roles that kind of pulls them off the system. And they lose that continuity with the system. So the warrant officer really fulfills that role for those specialized teams or missions or units. Uh, they are the constant uh, purveyor of that, that knowledge and that experience. Um, so that's really where the warrant officer fits in the role for the Army. Chief, let's take that down just one peg. Specific to SMDC, what units and missions do our warrant officers support and what MOSs, uh, Military Occupational Specialties, are represented? Our warrant officers are really represented throughout the entire footprint, uh, from the S&D staff down to every uh, unit level. We got 73 authorized warrant officer positions, uh, six different branches, 11 MOSs, three different compos. This is really important. It's been, I've learned a lot in the last two years just being in this position and working those, the, the National Guard and Reserve aspects, and those guys do great things for us. And they serve in all 16 worldwide locations. The majority of our warrant officers are deployed forward. Uh, supporting uh, missile defense, missile warning, and space operations. 
I'm not going to cover all of them, but I would like to highlight a couple of our biggest contingents of warrant officers. First, I'll start with the air defense. Really, when we bring in an air defender in, uh, specifically our 140 Alphas, which are our air missile defense uh, system integrators, we bring them in. They really serve three different mission sets, and they have we, we have to train them up on those specific systems. So I'll start with the 100th Missile Defense Brigade, you know, our 300, protecting 300 million. You know, our air defense warrant officer, 140 Alphas, have to go in there and learn the specifics of the GMD missile system. They're responsible for integrating that system, but they also pick up additional responsibilities for maintenance. Our guys down at the 49th Missile Battalion, uh, we got two warrant officers down there that kind of take care of the maintenance and a guy that does the system integration and uh, uh, CW3 Craig. And then, and then CW, soon to be CW3 Knight at the brigade, he kind of oversees the entire integration of the system, but he also works combat capability development with the software and things of that nature. So you can see automatically where they have to pick up those additional skills. And the good thing is those guys continue to do that in their active guard reserve role. They continue to continue down that line. And then they also have a big impact in terms of evaluating those crews. So when you hear General Carbler talk about our COVID stance and how well we did and how those crews had to stake up, it was a lot of those quiet professionals, which warrant officers are, that were in the background helping maintain that operational capability. So when he speaks to that, it's in my heart, I know our warrant officers are doing the right thing, right? Um, going down to our missile warning uh, detachments and JTACs. Again, uh, when we bring in a 140 Alpha, they got to go through the JTAGs schooling. And then those guys are also re responsible for systems integration, but they do kind of the same roles. They take over as an operations officer, so to speak. They're the guys downrange, and they're helping train those crews up to do their specific missions in terms of missile warning. Um, and then even our sensor managers, completely different role, really, for a warrant officer. Um, again, additional schooling is obvious, but uh, we put those guys, they are really the LICs in those specific formations uh, when they serve in air operations centers or whatever theater they're serving. And so they kind of, they, they, they do oversee systems integration, but they take a more active role in training and evaluation as that terms of that, that goes. So it kind of speaks to everything we kind of spoke to before, but those are kind of the additional uh, space and missile defense uh, roles that they pick up when they come to our command. And then the other group I like to highlight are military intelligence warrant officers. And um, really, they serve from our SMDC staff down to the space uh, control planning teams. They're kind of in the same boat, right? What they do at SMDC is obviously unique with the space domain and what we do with Army space. So they, they have to come in and kind of pick up and provide analysis of adversarial space and space capabilities, you know, look at the global threats to our people globally, and then come up with proactive intelligence support to enable space-related operations. So they, they're kind of our third biggest group, but they have a big impact. And again, what they do at SMDC is very special and specific to space. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm opening a bit of a can of worms, but is there such thing as a, a space warrant officer? If not, do you think there will be or are there efforts in that direction? Hey, I really appreciate that question. Not as of yet, but certainly if you think of all the things we talked about so far, you could easily visualize the possibility of a space warrant officer in the future. I believe as 
Army space formations continue to develop, um, there are going to be opportunities here, probably in the near future, uh, to really take a good hard look at that and, and see uh, one, a requirement and, uh, and you know, a possibility of developing those warrant officers we go in the future. Chief, other than Army aviation, there isn't a direct way to join the Army as a warrant officer, right? I believe you ha need to be at least an E-5 staff sergeant to apply, meaning pretty much all warrant officers are prior service soldiers. If so, I assume this is actually a positive attribute, that of being an NCO first. That is correct. Army warrant officers are either aviation warrant officers or technical warrant officers. On the technical side, qualifications are, are, are branch specific, really. Uh, but you'll commonly find prior service requirements that provide the baseline technical experience uh, that is needed to be successful in the warrant officer basic course, uh, where, they where the branch will really technically certify that warrant officer. In terms of the E-5 requirement, this is usually true primarily due to the experience timeline, but also from a leadership perspective, right? Because the Army's definition of warrant officer is, is a technical expert, but a combat leader. And even General McConville, you know, he's pointed out that warrant officers are leaders who have a profound influence on getting things done. So from that perspective, used to hear the old analogy of a spec five where soldiers can tend down a technical career path and essentially that's the role a warrant officer fulfills. Well, that that is not true. And that is not what we're looking for. We're looking for leaders. And if you go back all the way to 1954, where the warrant where the army really for the first time, put out a definition of a warrant officer. I'll just read it. The warrant officer is a highly skilled technician who is provided to fill those positions above the enlisted level, which are too specialized in scope to permit effective development and continued utilization of broadly trained branch qualified commission officers. So we need leaders that have baseline experience in their specialty who want to join an elite cohort to make a difference for the entire army team. So, Chief, like, I'm a civilian, um, and so a lot of this is still new to me. So regarding uh, warrant officers, where in the rank structure do they fit? Does a warrant officer ever outrank a commissioned officer, say a CW4 versus a captain? So I can tell you this, you know, with my CW5 rank, I've had a lot of instances where people have come up to me and thought I was a very old lieutenant, right? Um, <laughs> you, you remember the commercial with, uh, it, what was it super glue commercial where the guy drops a, a drop of super glue on the gentleman with the, the construction helmet and he glues him up there to the top of the beam. And that one drop kind of holds everything together. That's where warrant officers fit between our enlisted and NCOs and our traditional officers. We kind of make everything happen together. We're in the middle. So the official answer is yes, a first lieutenant outranks me, right? And of course, the other myth in here, or the other, it's not really a myth, it's a confusion. When the Army first brought on warrant officers, the Secretary of the Army appointed warrant officers. That existed all the way up to 1986, where a change was made in the Defense Authorization Act regarding officially commissioning warrant officers at the rank of CW2. So at CW2, they had the same authorities, and they're commissioned by the President of the United States at CW2. W1, when they finish their warrant officer candidate school, they are appointed directly as a W1, and they serve that role for two years until they're promoted to CW2. And, and another point, the last several years, 
that, that another point of confusion that I'll I'll ask your question for you because I can see it. I, I can see you asking me this question. You know, a warrant officer versus a company grade officer versus a field grade officer versus a senior field grade officer. Several years ago, the Army did change the policy, and at the rank of CW3, that warrant officer is considered a field grade warrant officer. At the rank of CW5, he's considered a senior field grade warrant officer. And what is the proper form of address of a warrant officer? Also, I've heard uh, warrant officers referred to as chief. At what point does one become a chief warrant officer? Okay. So formally by regulation, we address warrant officers by Mr. or Mrs. And then formally at the rank of CW2, you can also address them as chief warrant officer. And I, I kind of got a story about this because when I was a W1, came straight from the uh, basic course and went out in the field with my uh, unit 1188A Patriot Battalion and uh, did really good things out there and jumped into it. And, and it was interesting because I, I was troubleshooting the system. And so at that point in time, essentially the entire Patriot force was at Fort Bliss, Texas, and we were conducting uh, roving sands. So I had my close network of warrant officers that were already out in the field, and I called one of them, and he really became a mentor for me, um, Chief Waymeyer. He's retired now. So I called him up. He wasn't there, and I said, hey, you know, hey, this is a, a problem I'm having or whatever the case may be. Well, during those first four or five days of the exercises, my battalion commander was calling me chief, right? And it was really out of respect um, because he thought maybe I was performing at a CW2 level already, right? And so Mr. Waymeyer calls me back, and I, they, they say, hey, Chief Waymeyer's on the phone. And so I answer the phone, and I go, hey, Chief Cleese. And he immediately corrected me and said, uh, you're not chief yet, Mr. Cleese. What's your issue? <laughs> so that's my story on that. So the, the, the formal right answer is Mr. or Mrs. or Chief Warrant Officer. But Chief's okay with me, I guess. Okay, Mr. Cleese. You know, I, I just can't do it. Chief, <laughs> uh, answer this for me, if you would. I suspect at some point in your career, probably a part of your current duties as a command chief warrant officer, you're always looking to appoint and grow that next generation of warrant officers. What is it that you and other senior warrant officers look for when selecting someone to become a warrant officer? Okay, a, a short response to that is we really want a leader who wants to make a difference. Uh, not someone who's just looking to do an additional six-year obligation because that's what it is uh, if you want to become a warrant officer. But it, it's not even a senior warrant officer um, duty or perspective. It's all of our duties and perspective, right? Because we really depend on our junior warrant officers who are at that tactical level to really develop uh, our soldiers, NCOs, and our young officers in that technical realm or that expertise or whatever the case may be to, for them to become better operators, better NCOs, and better officers, uh, you know, whether it's planning and implementing cap capabilities going down in the future. So we really changed our focus on, I'm really looking for the next warrant officer, please. And this guy's got to be perfect. And I'm looking for the next CW5. Got to be a W1 first. Got to grow through those different experiences. Really, I'm looking for potential. But really being a part of the team, we need to develop everyone. And so when they get to that point in their career as an NCO or they have the relevant experiences, they have the option to go be a warrant officer or to go be an officer or to go serve the Army 
in the best capacity that fits their personality and their experience and their expertise, so to speak. So when I interview a soldier or an NCO, that's really what I'm looking for. It's not about I've maxed out my capability as an NCO. Now I want to become a warrant officer to stretch my career out, right? No, I want to become a warrant officer so I can impart more change into the system and the decision makers to make sure soldiers, NCOs, warrant officers, and officers are being taken care of, kind of getting back to that people-first reality, right? Uh, so, Chief, regarding professional military education, I'm sure warrant officers have something like Bolick, Captain's Career Course, ILE, ALC, SLC, and so on. What is the warrant officer equivalent of these PME schools throughout a warrant officer's career? So, yes, warrant officers have their own professional mil- military education career path. It starts with a warrant officer basic course where uh, the branch uh, technically certifies a warrant officer in their uh, particular field or specialty. And then when they become a senior W-2, they'll return to the branch and attend Warrant Officer Advanced Course, which is, if you want to make an equivalence, equivalence to the captain's career course. And once they become a CW, uh, senior CW-3, then they really, the first Army PME uh, that they will experience is Warrant Officer ILE. And they'll go down to Fort Rucker right now and attend that for, I think it's six weeks. And then the, the capstone PME course for W-5s is the Warrant Officer Senior Service Education, which, again, they go back down the record. Now, uh, the last time we had significant change in the PME uh, was specifically related back to the Warrant Officer Management Act of 1991. So the good news, for the last several years, we've had a Combined Arms Center Command Chief Warrant Officer representing these issues in terms of our PME and improving it to get it to where we need to be for 2028 and 2035. So it's going to be, I think in the next several years, we're going to see some improvement in terms of our overall PME probably since 1991. And it's kind of what the Army's looking at and what we do with personnel management and all those different aspects. We have a senior leader up in the Army Talent Management Task Force that's also looking at specific warrant officer needs. So I, I'm excited for the next couple of years to see what that looks like, and we'll probably have a significant change in the way I do our PME, and we kind of focus, uh, get back to focusing our warrant officers on the technical aspects of their job, but really getting after the educational aspect for our senior-level courses and our Army broad courses. Um, because I can tell you in my personal opinion – I went through the capstone course 10 years ago, and it's improved greatly since then. But in my opinion, it wasn't adequate. I mean, we are talking at that time, it was a two-week course for the senior capstone for a CW5. That, that's not the right answer. And uh, so we're working to address that now and get that straight to make sure we are professionally developing our warrant officers to meet the Army needs in the future. Okay, Chief, time to dispel some myths and legends here in the last question. Aside from the standard unicorn jokes and pokes that your hands are permanently molded to hold extra large coffee cups. A big one we always used to joke with our warrant officers in the air defense is that you'll never see a warrant officer in group PT. What are the ones you've heard and what's the truth really like? Well, that's interesting. I mean, I've heard all those too. I can only uh, share my uh, experiences as a warrant officer. I can tell you this, probably the best shape I've ever been in my life and the highest PT score is I had was when I was at Warren Officer Candidate School. And I and I know when I was appointed a W-1, 
January 17, 2001, I didn't turn my PT belt in, and they, they handed me a coffee cup. That did not happen. Maybe I missed the ceremony. Maybe they left me out of it, but that did not happen. And I can tell you, uh, for the most part in my career, you know, I did PT, and so did a lot of other warrant officers, right? And, and you got to understand, it's kind of like the W-5 unicorn joke. Well, if you don't see them, they're unicorns. Uh, and I think we're so small in number, a lot of times soldiers may not understand that maybe the warrant officer was up all night working on a radar system or, you know, where I started from as a W-1, I was on the battalion staff. So I was doing staff PT. But I'd go down to HHC and support the command and do things like that. So I certainly understand that. But I can tell you there's no special regulation in Title Ten that relieves warrant officers from doing PT or any other Army requirement. I mean, we have to do all of those and meet the same time standards. You know, it, to me, when I go talk to our W-1s that are coming uh, out of WOBC, I make it a point to them in case they take those myths like you would have as an enlisted, like, oh, I don't have to do PT anymore. Oh, I can do whatever I want. Uh, no, <laughs> you still have the same requirements as everybody else. You might have the, not have the luxury of doing PT five days a week with the battery. You may be doing something else, but you still need to do PT five days a week. Does that make sense? So it's the right thing to do. I'll, I'll tell you a story. When I was a W-5 at uh, CDID in uh, Fort Seal, there was another W-5. We worked together. And we had a PT test. Now, in this environment, you have a bunch of senior O6s. So we all showed up to the PT test. And two W5 showed up. Of course, the jokes start happening. You know, the, the battering starts and all that kind of stuff. Well, I can tell you this. Halfway through the PT test, some people were in trouble. They were in trouble because they, they were lagging behind the W5s who were at that point outperforming them. You know, we got to do everything in terms of the Army regulation, and we got to do it better, and we got to be better across the board. Chief Cleese, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with Alan and I. Is there anything else sort of a parting shot or shots that you want to leave us with as we look forward to celebrating this warrant officer birthday in July? Hey, Ron and Alan, I really appreciate you providing an opportunity for me to answer these very important questions and kind of get the word out on the street of what our warrant officers provide for the Army. Um, I would really like to take this time and speak to uh, all of our warrant officers. At, coming up on July 9th is our 103rd warrant officer birthday. And to take the time and reflect back on our history. You know, you got to understand where you came from to get where we need to be in the future. And it's important that if you're a warrant officer that you understand that history. And for the general audience, I really appreciate your time and kind of understanding what value our warrant officers bring to the Army. This is SMDC.